we are getting down to the nitty gritty of hockey season and we're going to start voting people off the island you're locked on nhl your daily podcast on the national hockey league part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of the Locked On NHL Power Rankings. I am Nick Sararis, joined by my co-host, Hunter Hodes. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcast. We got the NHL league-wide covered every single day. And, Hunter, we have got 1 through 32 Power Rankings for the first time in quite a while. And I was very happy to see everybody else agreed with me that uh, the Panthers are the best team in the league right now. And I would like to start there because, frankly... I think they have two things going for them as far as why people feel so strongly about them. Number one, the results are there right now. They're playing like they're the best team in the league. And we just saw them go on a run to the cup final with an iteration of the team that wasn't as good as this one, frankly. You know, like both Stahl brothers were playing on last year's Panthers team. The Panthers resurrected Oliver ekman Larson. He's been really solid for them. Nico Mikola's done a solid job, and they got Ekblad and Montour back in the mix. They don't have all their draft picks, and they're going to have to be strategic about what they add at the deadline. But Florida's a great team, man. Yeah, I mean, I was a bit scared for the Panthers entering the season, Nick, just because they were without two really key contributors for the first couple of months. But the Panthers said, oh, oh, hum, we're just going to get through that pretty easily, I might add. And then they get them back, and then it's been all systems go since then. They've won six in a row at this point. Matthew Kachuk has really woken up these last several weeks. He started the season a bit slow, but he's slowly going, getting back to being one of the best players in the league, just like we saw last year. Sam Reinhart is having a ridiculous season for the Panthers as well. You brought up Ekman Larson. Sergei Bobrovsky in that, Nick, he is playing like we saw him play in the playoffs for the Panthers. And if he keeps that up into the playoffs, this is going to be a really tough team to beat. For the longest time, I feel like this season, I've said the Eastern Conference is not that good. I feel like there's a lot of mid to okay to just good teams. But I think at this point, we can safely say the Florida Panthers are the best team in the Eastern Conference. And I think they can beat any one of these teams in a seven-game series. We saw them beat last year's Bruins team, which is one of the best regular season teams we've seen in quite some time. And that Panthers team wasn't even that good. If they were to play them again this year, I think the Panthers wouldn't wouldn't beat them in seven. I think they would beat them in potentially five or six with how good this team is. And you, you saw them beat Toronto. I think it would take you know definitely less than seven games to beat them again this time. You know, I just I look around the Eastern Conference and it's hard to not think that Florida is going to go two years in a row of getting back to the cup final. This team is loaded top to bottom. They're getting good goaltending. Paul Maurice, I'll say it, I honestly didn't think he was that good of a hire for the Panthers, but he has made me eat quite a bit of crow so far, to say the least. And I do think they're going to add at least one piece over these next couple of weeks to fully go all in for the season. Again, they don't have a lot of picks, but I think they're going to do just enough to get another piece. I don't think it's going to be Jake Gensel or anything like that, but Elliot alluded to in his blog, maybe someone like Riley Smith. That would be a kind of a cool reunion down in Florida. And honestly, based on his past success there, I think he could give them a little bit more scoring, at least more than he's doing in Pittsburgh right now. But the Panthers, yeah, I agree. I think they are the best team in hockey right now. And they should be the favorite to come out of the Eastern Conference and play in the final. 
I don't think there's really any argument. Like you think about the other teams in the East, Boston, they're having a nice regular season. They're having a solid regular season, but a team, you know, that's relying on Charlie Coyle to play big minutes. He's never really done that for an extended period of time. Marshawn is not playing up to his normal standard. Their defense is a little bit less talented than I maybe thought it was. I know they've been linked to Noah Hannafin, maybe looking at him as somebody who could bolster that back end. But the Rangers are injured. They have, I think, right now the Rangers have two NHL right wings and those are Capococco and Jimmy Vesey, whose combined career high in goals is like 20 max. And that's well, your best right wing on the run. Yeah, I, I mean, they've got good wins in there. And that's not really – it's the same thing with Boston. I'll say the same thing I said just said about the Bruins. I'll say about the Rangers. The Rangers are always a solid regular season team. Most nights, the Rangers have enough high-end talent where those guys are going to be able to beat the other team's best guys. And they just pray their bottom six doesn't lose them the game. Now, the Rangers are going to go out and add. They're kind of in a window now where they got to spend chips every single deadline. But I still think Florida is better. And then we go down the list even more. Carolina, their season's been very wonky. Their goaltending situation still hasn't really solidified. They probably are in need of, I would say, they should be in the market looking for a goalie that's a little more dependable. And they probably need another forward, in all honesty. And then you keep going down further. I mean, you don't get to the, thir- the fourth Eastern Conference team till spot 11. And that's the Leafs, who the Leafs are fine in the regular season, but that goaltending situation is terrifying. Do you really trust Samsonov or Joseph Wall? No. no. The Flyers are 12th. I don't trust them. The Lightning just lost, the Lightning lost Sergachev two weeks ago. They effectively have two defensemen on that team. And Vasilevsky hasn't been good as he's been in years past. And then we're talking about Detroit, the Islanders, the Devils. And the Devils and the Islanders aren't even in playoff spots right now. I mean, you were right in your assessment before where it feels like the West is just so much better than the East right now. Yeah, there's more Stanley Cup contenders in the West than there For are sure. in the East. I mean, I hate saying this, but I feel like Florida is like the only main team from the East that I can actually see lifting the cup at the end of the season. Maybe that's at a this moment right now. Yes, yeah. I want to see the deadline first before I make that final estimation. But continue, please. That's fair. Yeah, I think just right now, like before two weeks before the deadline, basically the Panthers are the only team that I can fully see winning the cup. From the East. That can change after the deadline. Maybe the Rangers make a couple moves. The Bruins are the same. Maybe the Leafs surprise and, and make a couple big splashes, even though they may not. But that's my opinion as of right now. I know people may come at me in the YouTube comments or in my DMs, but that's just how I see it for the East. But you know, you go to the West, Nick, and you know, Colorado is playing really well. I mean, heck, is there a chance they get Landis Cog back in the playoffs? If they do, and if that happens, they're going to be an even tougher out than they already have been this season. Dallas, we've already talked about plenty on this show. They're a contender. Winnipeg is a cup contender this year. Vegas, Vancouver, Edmonton, even though Edmonton is kind of you know, slacked off a little bit, but they also just won 16 in a row. There's still, this is still a Stanley Cup contender, people. But those yeah, their goaltending scares me. The Edmonton, yeah. I think, unless I have a hard time putting Edmonton in that top tier of Stanley Cup contenders because of their goaltending. The same reason I would argue I can't put Carolina up there. I probably can't put Colorado there. I'd probably put Dallas ahead because Yuriev is fine, but I've never seen him really elevate his game to a level where Ottinger is not having a great season right now, but Ottinger in that series against Calgary two years ago in the first round, 
that's one of the best series I've ever seen a goalie play what Jake Ottinger did against the Flames two yep. years ago. So I know he can get to that level. And we're going to talk a little bit about the checklist of kind of what what Stanley Cup winning teams look like. And one of the things on there is you don't need a perfect goalie. You don't need a top five goalie. But you need a goalie who has occasionally been a top 10-ish goalie. You need somebody in that tier where I don't need them to be lights out. I don't need Vasilevsky. I don't need Shosturkin, Sorokin, etc. I just need them to have occasionally flashed. But we'll get into that more in the next segment. Please, go ahead. Right, no, that's actually what I was kind of kind of hint at to, to finish my point because the Avalanche, that's kind of what they're doing, right? They know they don't have even close to, I think, one of the 10 best goalies in the league, but they know in front of him – they have a great forward group and a pretty solid defensive group. They're just trying to rely on Georgiev to give them average goaltending like they got from Kemper or a little, a little above average goaltending when they won the Cup just a couple of years ago. So maybe they make an upgrade there at the deadline in a couple of weeks. I Honestly, I could see quite a bit of teams getting a goalie over these next couple of weeks because there's quite a few playoff teams right now, Nick, that just aren't solidified in net. Yeah, no, and that's really one of the the separating lines for me. I mean, as much as we all think Edmonton's forward group is pretty good and Evan Bouchard's emergence has really given them a a level of um, depth on their back end that they haven't had in a long time, that goaltending situation scares the hell out of me. I mean, you saw Edmonton last night in that game against the Bruins where it was back and forth, back and forth, pretty high scoring, and it's hard to live like that in the playoffs. And Hunter and I will be right back after a quick Grocery bills are so expensive these days, but now they don't have to be. Start getting cash back on your grocery shopping with the free I Bought A app and get cash back every single time you shop. I Bought A is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys, so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. The average I Bought A user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire grocery trip, so you can buy that flight you've been eyeing and get on vacation you've been dreaming of. Other apps give you points that don't amount to a whole lot. With I Bought A, just add your offers in the app, upload your receipt, and get real cash you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal's, or in gift cards. Join over 50 million users and earn cash back every single time you shop for over 2,700 brands and retailers, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, iBought is offering our listeners $5 for just trying iBought by using the code LOCKEDONNHL when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play, download the free iBought A app to start earning cash back and use code LOCKEDONNHL. That's I bought a in the Google Play or App Store and use code locked on NHL. Thanks everyone for hanging out with Hunter and I on this Thursday edition of the Locked On NHL Power Rankings. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube and now available on Amazon Fire TV in the free Fire TV channels app. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every single league. Find Locked On Sports Today now available on the free Fire TV channels app. Hunter, when you're evaluating teams, I, Jess and I were talking about this on Locked On Flames yesterday about why the Flames still have so far to go. In my mind, the benchmarks I need to look at a team as a bona fide Stanley Cup contender I need a goalie who's capable of being top 10, 
not elite, but top 10. I need penalty kill and power play top 12, 13. And then I need three point per game players. You can have a defenseman be one of those three, but ideally you would like those to be forwards as three point per game guys. But that's my foundational, my foundational evaluation. You need to have all three of those things for me to put you in that top tier. And then we can start arguing supporting casts, coaching, and more in-depth nuanced approaches. But I feel like if you don't have those three things, you're not really in the conversation for me. I think that's fair. I think for me, in terms of special teams, you need to have at least one unit that you can count on in any situation, whether it's penalty kill or power play. I'd probably lean towards power play over yeah. penalty kill, but if you can get away with a really good power play and maybe a average to a little below average penalty kill, you should be fine. You just can't have two special team units that kill you every single night. You're not going to go anywhere with that. So if you can have one that's close to elite and one that's maybe average, that's good in my book. In terms of just talent overall, I need star talent if I'm going to consider you a Stanley Cup contender. I don't want just a bunch of dudes on the team. I want someone like a game breaker that can take over a game whenever and preferably more than just one player, maybe two, maybe three. And if you look at the contenders right now in the NHL, Florida has a couple, you have the Rangers that for them being a contender, they have a couple that can do that. The Canucks, obviously the golden Knights, when they're healthy, the Oilers, obviously the avalanche and the Dallas stars, they all have those star talent that can take over a game whenever. That's another thing I look for. Goaltending, I would agree with you on that. I want someone that can give me at least average goaltending. That's the one thing I look for. If you can get at least average goaltending, you can go really far in the playoffs as long as that goalie just doesn't crap the bed a little bit. And then finally, I need a stud on the back end. And every contender that I just mentioned there has a stud on their back end. You need at least one of them. And then if you can surround that guy with a few really good defensemen. I don't need even elite players, but if you can surround that stud, for example, you know, Adam Fox, Evan Bouchard, Kale McCarr with really good defensemen like a Devon Taves, you know, in Colorado or for the Rangers, you know, Keandre Miller, who I think is starting to come up a little bit more a bit, you know, Ryan Lindgren is, I think, pretty solid when he's healthy. Just naming you examples. We can go to Florida with Ekblad and Montour. Just, again, giving you examples there. Then I think you can also go a long way. Then another benchmark for me, how deep are you, Nick? If you don't have a good forward group as a whole, even outside that star talent, I don't think you're going to go anywhere in the playoffs because what happens when those top players get shut down maybe for a game or two? You're going to have to rely on your third and fourth lines to give you offense, and if you're not deep enough, I'm sorry, I'm not sure how far you're going to go just because these series are such small sample sizes and honestly, anything can happen. So that's really my benchmark for a contender. That deep that deep enough forward group, man, it's probably one of the more underrated things that more people should look for because, again, sometimes your top players, I know they're game breakers and they can take over games at any point, but sometimes that's not going to happen if the other team has a good coach to try to neutralize those players. So, yeah, that's a great point and something I was going to bring up and I can build off of what you just said. The way you got to think about this is a tug of war where you're trying to get your advantages however you can. You've got your star players. You've got your anchors. You've got your Kachuk and your Barkov all the way at the end. The anchors are your tug of war. But the other good teams, they have their star players too. You know, if you put 
Matthews and Marner on the other end in the tug of war directly head to head, that's relatively even. Yeah. But once you start getting closer and closer to the front, the middle of the line, and we're getting to, you know, David Camp versus Sam Reinhart as the third choice, you know, it starts to get a little more dicey. And that's really where we've seen differentiation amongst these teams in the playoffs over the years. That's been the problem with the Leafs basically since they've gone in with this core four roster construction of Nylander, Tavares, uh, Marner, and Matthews, where those guys are all really good. But because they're really good, you don't have as much money to put into your bottom six. So you have to take risky investments. You have to take flyers on guys. I mean, we all remember Galchenyuk magically scoring that one goal in the playoffs and then turning the puck over and costing them that game against the the Canadians in overtime. When you do not have the bottom six depth, you are riding an extremely dangerous proposition because other team star players will cancel out your star players. If you if your star players play the other team's good guys to a push, that is generally what happens. The good players will get their goals. But if it's 2-2, the team with more depth is going to generally win. And building off of your point about defense, I think you need to have a solid 1-2-3. That's your kind of foundation. You need to have at least three guys who you feel okay about when they're on the ice. And there aren't a lot of teams that have that, frankly. You know, you, you think about some of the teams that have won in recent years. Vegas Vegas has a true 1-2-3. Colorado had a true 1-2-3. Tampa had a really good, arguably the best 1-2-3 of anybody in recent memory. And then you go even before that, the Blues – we all thought Colton Pareko was going to be a guy based on how well he played during that cup final run for the Blues. And then you go back further. Washington didn't really have that one, two, three, but that was a weird playoff run. So it's a little bit different. But there are certain benchmarks you need to hit to be in this conversation. It's why I can't really put Carolina in here. It's why I can't really put the Oilers or the Leafs in here because they're just, they're missing at least one component of those things. Sure, you can over overachieve your expectations based on your talent but it's a lot harder to win that way you want to give yourself as many opportunities as you can and that starts with your roster construction do you have the best roster you possibly can to be set up for success yeah i agree with you especially and you know we can build off that conversation surrounding edmonton and carolina for edmonton we all know how great their star players are i mean Connor mcdavid is the best player in the world leon dryside i think is the top five top six player in the league right now but, you know, after them, you have Nugent Hopkins, Zach Hyman. They don't have the four depth on their third and fourth lines, I feel like, to make me feel really good heading into a series, for example, against, you know, Vegas when they're fully healthy. You can throw Vancouver in there as well. And we all saw what happened to Edmonton last season when they did go up against Vegas. I saw so many people picking the Oilers in that series. And I'm like, I think you all are underestimating Vegas a little bit considering their depth. And sure enough, Vegas's depth won the day and they ended up winning the series. Carolina, it's a little bit different because I think they are a deep team, Nick, but you know what they don't have to me? That true game breaker at forward. Wow. I like Sebastian Alho. I like Andre Seshnikov. I like Marty Natchez. I like Seth Jarvis. But are any of those players true game breakers in the NHL? No. I, I like all like you said, and, and that's been the issue for Carolina. Yeah, You think about when they've gotten into these playoff series, they didn't have the star power to beat Florida. The year before that, they didn't have the star power to beat the Rangers. And the Rangers star players outplayed them two years ago. Florida, same deal. But we will be right back, and we're going to start talking about uh, who should be thinking about the draft and kicking some teams off the island. 
We are driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that everything is all in one place. I can take test applications for job to apply for jobs. I can arrange meetings. I can talk to recruiters directly. And it makes it a lot more direct and feels a lot more engaging than other job sites. And listening to this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash locked on. Just go to indeed.com slash locked on right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. As we wrap up another edition of the Locked On NHL Power Rankings, we are reaching a point now where the teams that are open for business, we know who they are. We know who is selling ahead of the deadline. That's about two and a half, three weeks away now. We know who is looking towards the draft. We know who is going to make the playoffs for the most part. There's probably eight teams competing for two spots across both conferences at this point. And as you said in the opening segment in regards to the East, it's a whole lot of mediocre teams beating up on each other and preventing the rest from pulling away. I think the starting point here are our lottery team, top of the lottery type teams, Chicago, Montreal, Anaheim, San Jose. I think that's the starting point of our conversation. Is there anybody we should add to those four before we start trying to evaluate who's in the mix, who we should keep for another week? Nick, did we forget the Columbus Blue Jackets? Off there, we did. See, I think Columbus has talent, which is what's befuddling about why they're so me- they're so bad. Like compared to the other four teams I just mentioned, Columbus has a decent roster. You know, they've spent a lot of money on good play on players who were formerly good. I should say, not good players. You think about a team that has Johnny Gaudreau, that has Jack Roslovich, that has Kent Johnston. I know Adam Fantilli's been hurt for a while. Zach Wierenski is a decent NHL player. Ivan Provorov is a decent NHL player. Damon Severson is a decent NHL player. There is talent on that team, but it is so massively underperformed. But you're right. We can have them in the in this conversation for the purposes of a discussion. So weeding them out, like if we had to tier them, who do you think is the closest to being relevant? Montreal, Columbus? Closest to being relevant, I actually think I would go Montreal in that regard. Uh, you could make an argument for Columbus. Of course, you know, my dogs are barking downstairs. They have a lot to say about this as well. But I would say Montreal just because I like a lot of what Kent Hughes is doing, Nick. I think he's been able to really stockpile assets in quite a, a few trades over the past couple of seasons to really just continue to try to build the foundation back up from the team. I think they're obviously going to be selling at the deadline here. I'm not sure how busy they're going to be. I mean, maybe Jake Allen gets moved for something. I'm sure they have a couple other players who they can move as well. I mean, there have been rumors about David Savard, but I don't really think he wants to move from Montreal. 
But I like a lot of what Kent Hughes is doing there. And I think it's only a matter of time, probably in the next maybe few years, where Montreal is at least back trying to contend for a playoff spot. I like Nick Suzuki quite a bit. I like Cole Caulfield quite a bit as well. Columbus, I want to really see what they do with this new GM hire because Yarmo Kekalainen just kept trying to do so many kicks at the can with this team. Even heading into this year, he was like spending so much money as if the team was ready to compete for a playoff spot, but they were just never there. And I agree that Columbus has talent, but I mean, Johnny Goudreau has eight goals in 55 games this year. I mean, that's, I can't even believe I'm saying that right now because Johnny Goudreau, you know, back when he was with Calgary, he was, I think, quite a bit better than this. I know you got Marchenko there, a solid. Fantilli's a good rookie. He's going to be really good for a long time. Boone Jenner has 18 goals. I mean, I think the Jackets, if they want to trade him, by the way, they could easily get quite a haul for him. But if I had to pick one, I would say of that group, it's probably Montreal. I mean, you actually, you could make an argument for the Ducks as well. They have a lot of young talent in their pipeline, and that's coming up really soon. But I still want to see them, you know, actually get out of the basement before I fully argue for them. Okay. So then that leaves us with the two California teams who are both abominable. Anaheim had a nice start to the season. They were fun. Frank Vitrano may or may not get traded. Adam Henrique may or may not get traded. Trevor Zegers may or may not get traded. But that's basically all the Ducks are going to be brought up for in the next couple of weeks is, will they make another trade? Will, what will they get in return? San Jose, they had um, Tomas Hurdle get put on LTIR. He had a knee thing, so he's done for the season. That Sharks team might be the saddest collection of players I have ever seen. I know... This was the plan this season. They were going to stink on purpose. But, like, it's just – it's different. Last year, we knew the Blackhawks were going to be an abomination. We knew the Blackhawks put together a roster trying to be bad. But San Jose feels so much worse. I don't know if that's because the only images I have of San Jose are them getting absolutely blasted in, like, October or November where they lost, like, 10 nothing two consecutive games. And I haven't really watched a lot of the Sharks this season, but it feels so much worse for the Sharks than it did for uh, Chicago last year, at least to me. That might just be my East Coast bias, but... But you know what's funny about this? The Sharks have two more points than the Chicago Blackhawks do this year. Yeah, I know it was because Bedard was out for quite a bit, but they still are not as worse of a team than the Blackhawks, even though they have one of the best young superstars in the game. I just find that funny to even say on this show, but I agree overall in principle with your point. This Sharks team, we knew they were going to be historically bad this year. They have absolutely nothing on that team. And it pains me to say, Nick, that that's going to continue, I think, for quite a while. They're just kind of in purgatory because they don't have a lot of superstar talent that's coming through their pipeline. I mean, if they could get the number one overall pick, that would obviously be big for their long rebuild here. But there's just not anything going on there right now, man. And I, and I feel really bad because that's a good fan base out in San Jose. They had the most wins of they the Sharks. I, I was talking about this the other day with somebody because they were when I was at the stadium series game on Sunday, I was talking with somebody about this in the, at the tailgate. And he was like, the Rangers had a really good run. They won a lot of playoff games. They just didn't get things to go their way. The Sharks were the only team last decade to win more playoff games than the Rangers without winning the Stanley Cup. Yep, that's the right. Sharks went to, they went to a couple cup. They went to a couple conference finals. They only made the finals the one time. 
they missed their window, man. That's what happens. You can be a really good team and things just don't break your way. And they had I a mean, great core. That was the thing. Yeah. They had an amazing core during that time. And it and it stinks that they couldn't even just get one cup for that core because yeah. they went all in with that core every single year. But then once they got a bit older, you know, they knew that their time was up and now they've been having a restart. But it just it takes a lot to get back to that point as they're realizing right now. But I agree, man. I mean, that core was great for a long time. They won a lot of regular season games. They won a lot of playoff games. They just couldn't win the big one, which again, that's you said, it's, it's the hardest trophy to win in sports at the end of the day. It, that's what makes it so satisfying to win and why the goal ultimately, and we'll pick our two teams and get out of here on this note. The goal ultimately, I think the most replicable path is to try and do what Washington, the Blues or Colorado did, where you're just in the playoffs every year and you hope you get things to break your way. You could probably say that about the dynasty teams like Pittsburgh, Chicago, and L.A., but they were a little bit better because, you know, they won multiple cups during that window. And I would even argue Tampa Bay was the same boat. I mean, they drafted Victor Hedman in like 2008 or nine, and they didn't win a cup for 12 years. So I would say your your best path is to just consistently be in the playoffs and hope things break your way. All right, so I'm going to say we're voting. I would like to vote San Jose off. Do you have any disagreement with voting San Jose off? No, Nick. I have no disagreement in voting a 35-point team off the island. <laughs> is there – and then who do you think should be our other team off? Do you want to vote off Chicago or do you yes. want to keep them on there? Do you want to vote off the Ducks? Okay. I'm good with that. Yeah. San Jose and Chicago, the, uh, the Calabrini Bowl for the kid who's playing at BU who's going to be very good, but we shall see. Um. That'll just about do it for this week's edition of the Lockdown NHL Power Rankings. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts on Spotify. Throw us a like if you're watching over on YouTube. Hunter and I will talk to you guys next week. Until then, later.